This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. America. That's the incendiary new book from former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro, available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass-knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon. Of course, the big news today is the passing of Queen Elizabeth. I want to bring in Ben Harnwell right now. Uh, he is going to be the best person to talk about all of what this means. Ben, uh, welcome to uh, to the War Room. What uh, What's your view of, of all of this in terms of the greater significance, sir? Uh, good evening, Dr. Navarro. Um, yeah, well, as a Brit, um, the Queen, see, I'm born in 75. The Queen was born in 1922. My grandfather, who's still alive, was born in 25. Okay, so um, that's three generations of Harnwells. And for, while all of us have been on this planet, the Queen has exceeded us. Um, so there's very, very few people alive in the country that, isn't that hasn't that has memories preceding this 70 year long reign so whether you're a monarchist or you're a republican um whatever your views are on, on the royal family that the presence of the queen herself for such a long period of time has made a dramatic impact in everybody's lives um look my politics are broadly libertarian so if you ask me um, in principle, you know, do I think, it, uh, what do I think of the idea of a royal family? I'd probably say, well, look, I, I don't quite know what I feel about the royal family. If you ask me what I think um, about the Queen, uh, I don't have anything negative to say. I think she was, she carried that role out with dignity um, and humility and professionalism. Um, in a way that I have not really seen a head of state do in any other country, um, or even in the UK going back in time. I think she she did she handled that that role with an exceptional uh, degree of class, um, and the country is going to miss her. We we don't you know I I'm not necessarily a pessimist, but I do think um, that we're in a, a gentle decline socially not just basically in UK, but right across the West. We don't mint people like that anymore. So the, the, the way, the, the, the attributes and the character and the formation that she brought to the role as head of state, um, it's, gonna, it's going to be difficult to see how, how those are going to be uh, replaced. So you've got all these emotions going on. Sometimes you think about these things with the heart. Sometimes you think about them with the head. But I, I definitely think, Dr. Navarro, that the Queen represented the very best 
of Great Britain, both in the way that she conducted herself personally and privately, and also the way that she conducted herself publicly and officially, and also the way that she conducted herself representing the country abroad. What does the succession look like now? And is the successor likely to be more active in the political rough and tumble of British politics? Um, well, King Charles um, III uh, has spent many years, decades, out in the wilderness um, advocating topics which are really front and centre now of, of the progressive establishment mainstream. So his environmentalism, for example, which was back, you know, I don't know, back in the 80s, um, perhaps even before that, you know, it was, it was slightly out there. This is fully mainstream now. That will probably be difficult for people on the centre-right to digest. That's, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, um, he has laid out as Prince of Wales, as I say, as, as heir to the throne, probably for 50 years, a certain political platform, internationalist, globalist, environmentalist, um, all the things, you know, that you and I will hate. Um, that said, I can't help but feel that, um, that now that he is king, uh, he will probably tone that down and try and represent all Britons and the political aspirations of all Britons, that is to say, impartially uh, and non-partisan. Because that's one of the reasons that, that Queen Elizabeth II, no matter what your view is on politics or on monarchism versus republicanism, that's why she was loved by the whole country. Um, and, you know, as time goes on and, uh, and people's nostalgia starts to set in, this will be um, very much... Uh, a, a second Elizabeth, Elizabethan age. It will be a golden age, just like the first Elizabethan age. Um, and that's due to her per the way she conducted herself as head of state. And I think Prince, I think King Charles uh, will have seen that more intimately and closely than anyone else. Um, and he will try as best as he's able to, um, to imitate that so that he will similarly be loved uh, by Britons. Ben, thank you so much um, for staying up late uh, to talk to the War Room. Uh, just give us your social media now and we'll let you uh, head off uh, to sleep. Thank you, Dr. Navarro. Well, I'm exclusively on Getter. As you always say, Getter is better. That's where I am. It's uh, my profile, um, it, at Hanwell. That's my surname. It's the verified account. Please be aware because there are imitator accounts out there. I'm also on Telegram, by the way asking for money in telephone numbers. They're not me. My, my, my account is, um, is uh, simply at Harnwell on Getter. And that's where, that's where I am pushing out my analysis 24-7. All right, my friend. Uh, good evening to you. And thank, thank you, thank you, you so much for sharing on this. God bless. Thank you, Calvary Chapel, for having me back. As was said, my name is Peter Hernandez, the brown and, brown and proud taco-eating Republican. I'm a locally elected county supervisor, a believer in Christ, and I'm running for Congressional District 18. 
Yeah. That was Pete Hernandez. Uh, he's running out in California in a newly formed congressional district that is basically designed to have a Latino or Latina win that district. Uh, yet, <laughs> his primary opponent on the Democrat side, his, his only opponent in the general election, um, is a Democrat named Zoe Lofgren, who I unfortunately know well, uh, she being um, one of the leaders of the Lynch-Trump pack uh, throughout the Trump administration. She was very active in um, the two impeachment trials. Uh, Lofgren's rhetoric is about as viciously anti-Donald Trump. Uh, she's clearly kind of in the orange man bad crowd, uh, along with uh, Jamie Raskin, uh, Adam Schiff, Benny Thompson, Nancy Pelosi. And uh, her main claim to fame is that she's been around for all impeachments in the modern era, including going back uh, to Bill Clinton. So, so Zoe Lofgren is, is a Democrat legacy candidate who uh, is not even running in the district that she represented for years. She's, she's, she, they went, during the redistricting, that, that district went away, and she decided to go in and, uh, and prey on the good Latinos and Latinas of that district and try to use uh, her status, her seniority um, as a Democrat um, in that district uh, to basically take that seat um, specially crafted for Latinos, Latinas, uh, take that um, uh, for her own continuance of imperial power um, in the U.S. Congress. And Peter Hernandez has taken her on. Um, he's got a he's got a big challenge on his hands. Um, there's no question about it. But but let's think about. What's going on now in, in, in Cali, my old Cali, right? It's um, a situation where there's a absolute invasion across the southern border of this country. And, and California, Arizona, and Texas uh, are where the brunt of that comes across. And of those three states, I would argue that California bears the worst of it because Californians in government, the politicians there, the woke politicians there do little or nothing to stem that flood. Um, and therefore the schools are overwhelmed. Uh, black and brown Americans uh, are overwhelmed in the labor market, see their wages suppressed, this, that, and the other thing. And so it'll be interesting to see whether a MAGA Republican taking on a woke Democrat <clears throat> who's anti-Trump <clears throat> can win. Now, um, let me ask uh, uh, my producer here, do we have Mr. Hernandez yet? All right, well, let's, uh, without further ado, I hope you've been listening, Pete uh, or Peter, you tell me which one you prefer, uh, sir. But um, 
tell us about your race, where it stands. I looked at the election results and in the primary, uh, I, I, I guess it's an open primary there because they lumped the results together. Lofgren won the top spot. You got the second spot. How's the race shaping out at this point, sir? Thank you for having me, Peter. Thank you uh, for that that dialogue. I mean, ultimately, this district is is uh, definitely very engaged at the local level, right? Everything's very grassroots when it comes to the 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 people. Uh, you know, I have 84 volunteers. I have we've already hit 35,000 phone calls. There's a lot of excitement. You know, the Latino voter is ready to flip. I've said it before, and it's it's just historically being able to tap into the the what is the sentiment of the latino community the majority of the district itself right being rural being ag so i would say it's the most underestimated race in the country because you have a brand new district a 74 year old uh you know 28 year in office incumbent right so she's she's uh god bless her but she's obviously almost twice my age and uh and at the end of the day people want to see someone that's ready to represent from the bottom up everything has been top down which which actually is consistent with what you've been sharing as a county supervisor, I experienced this firsthand, and the, that's what's created a lot of breakdown. I argue for representation. That's what the Latinos are hungry for. They want to know that those their their valores conservativos, right? Their conservative values are being considered in this process, and that they actually have a voice. That by default means you have to have local control, and that's exactly what's being stripped from this district. Sir, um, I'm going to ask you this throughout our interview, uh, but at this point, can you? Tell the people listening how they can um, send money to your campaign and possibly volunteer. So, yeah, if they could reach out to HernandezForCongress.com, HernandezForCongress.com, that's exactly where you could donate. We're obviously in all the social media handles at uh, uh, Peter Hernandez for Congress on Facebook, Hernandez for Congress, at Hernandez for Congress on Instagram, and Hernandez uh, CA18 on Twitter. All right. So tell me next um, is uh, is Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans, the RNC, doing anything to help you? And where does your endorsement uh, possible or real from Trump uh, stand at this point? Uh, I haven't heard from the president uh, as far as Kevin McCarthy goes. Yeah, he's he's uh, paying attention to what I would imagine the RNC is thinking is the 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 winnable races, right? They do a math that I would say is very high level. I think they're not they're not doing the deep dive, and once they understand the intrinsics of what I just shared, right? Um, every new portion of this district is Latino, rural, middle class, agricultural. It's everything that Zolofkin is not, and I am. So uh, they're not getting into those details. And because of that, Kevin McCarthy's counting votes across the country where he's making sure it's races that he can actually, I would say that he's he's trying to protect his seat. So um, it's kind of disappointing for sure, because you would think that there would actually be a consideration of a guy like me who's ready to represent uh, conservative Republican values. Right. And and really rebrand Republicanism as something that defines what we believe. Right. And a Republican apologetic. We don't have that. We don't get to the grassroots and talk to the people and tell them not just why we believe what we believe, uh, but we we try to bring them into the fold and educate them on what true representation looks like. And that's what I'm trying to do. Have you ever uh, had a conversation with uh, Leader McCarthy? Has he ever called you? Have you ever called him? 
We've tried to reach out. I actually met him a while back at a fundraiser. Uh, he, you know, he was rerunning for his race. And, uh, yeah. he, you know, very nice man. You know, had a had a subtle engagement with him. Very short. And, uh, it, yeah, it just that was it. Right. He, he went but, on. But to, pretty much pretty much blowing you off. See, what, what puzzles me about this uh, race is it's clearly been designed as a Latino Latina district, clearly. And everything else being equal, the person who wins in that should be uh, a brown American. No, no, no question about that. <clears throat> and and Lofgren is so far away <clears throat> from that. I mean she's she's the woke, progressive, kind of urban elite type anti-Trump, anti-conservative values person. So you kind of wonder um, what exactly is going on there. How much of the district overlaps with her old district, Pete? So uh, the, the, the new district brings in everything from South San Jose all the way to Gary, which is, that is the 19, the, the one that's about to expire. So, uh, you know, but if you think about the totality of the actual voting representation, everything south of Salinas is at least 50 percent, I would say close to 51. So I don't I basically I mean, obviously, I have to work hard in general, but winning over just a portion of the old 19 wins this race. Right. Obviously, that means that I have to win over the new portion. And that's what I'm working hard to win the whole thing. But uh, the opportunity is there. You know, there, there's a path to victory. Not very many people are paying attention well enough to see it. Have you had uh, a chance to debate Lofgren? I, I, I suspect she'll duck that. Uh, what's the status of the debates? So uh, it's a funny thing because I actually just sent out a letter to her. Uh, it, kicked, it got kicked back to her home. Uh, we ended up sending it to our office in Washington, D.C., where we got a certified basically signature that they they received it. And uh, that was probably three weeks ago. We've officially just posted that uh, it doesn't seem that Ms. Lofgren is ready to debate the issue. She wa she'd rather be in Washington, D.C. instead of back in the district and actually talking to the locals that are dealing with high gas prices, right, inflation that are dealing with, uh, you know, now rolling blackouts because of this Green New Deal mindset from the Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to take away nitrates from the farmers and ultimately destroy farms. Everything that's going to hurt our district, she doesn't want to talk about. How does the, um, the uh, illegal immigration issue play um, with Latinos inside your district? When you go out and talk, is is, is what you know, the, the the assumption of the Democrats has always been that everybody who's a Latino uh, supports an open border. Uh, what what's your experience? Is it is it a hundred percent that way? Fifty fifty? What when you talk to Latinos? What what do you hear, sir? Once once we get into the substance of the issue, they're a hundred percent opposed to open borders, right? Once they understand, I mean it's. It's an oversimplified sentiment. That's what I've shared before when it comes to the leftist progressive, this new, you know, deferring, deflecting and redefining of terms. They try to simplify statements and make it seem like basically it's just that, you know, uh, immigration is a simple issue when it's very complex. So there's a lot of layers to it. But once we get down to open borders and the destructiveness, they agree. Right. I bring it down to a simple level. 
the open borders policy is a vacuum. It, it brings in a lot of destructiveness, right? A lot of negative things, right? With fentanyl crossing our border, with uh, illegal immigration causing ultimately cartels to control that area, right? And by default, that means human trafficking and sex trafficking, which is really yeah. modern modern day slavery. And so when I talk about the issue personally with, right, you know, voter to, voter to candidate, all we all I have to do is explain to them, you know, I don't know about anybody that actually believes that you would, if you really believe in open borders, that you would just also the same tear down your fence around your house, right? That means you're allowing anybody to do whatever you want on your property, right? And we, being a benevolent nation, we want to open the door for people to come in, but obviously that door is means that they have to come through the front and knock on that door and ask for permission, right? And everybody agrees with that. So to answer your question, Peter, everybody agrees that open borders is destructive. They want a simpler process, a cleaner process, something that actually validates that the people coming in uh, have good intentions, and ultimately they want to be part of the American fabric. But also, one final comment is, when they come in, they want to preserve the American way. They want to preserve the, the blessings and the freedoms that come. And as you, we start to get into these conversations, and I willingly encouraging them to understand, right, to not even believe what I say, but to actually test it against the truth when it comes to uh, having been a sovereign nation, they, uh, they start to realize, yes, we are a good nation. And that's because of what was established long ago, right, with the Declaration and the Constitution. And then all of a sudden they start to realize these policies that I'm espousing are actually a good thing. And they, they agree with them. They're very, very supportive of them. Pete, um, last question. What's the chessboard look like in terms of the print media, the newspapers and the, the TV stations around both um, English and, and in Espanol? Uh, are, are they covering this race? Are they giving you a fair shake? That's a really good question, Peter. It's funny because, uh, um, yeah, I would say everybody's trying to dodge this this candidate right here. Uh, I actually, you know, between the media, uh, I actually was interviewed in the primary and uh, they tried to pin me down with with probably some hot button items. And they didn't like my response because I think I did a good job of responding and they never posted my interviews. And I kept reaching out to them. And they actually said, oh, Peter, it's uh, we're waiting for the other candidates to interview so we can basically fairly allow everybody to uh, to 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 speak. I don't want I, I firmly believe not only are they dodging me, but uh, they really don't want to put me side by side with Zoloftkin because I don't think that they would like the outcome of that. So this is why uh, Steve Stephen K. Bannon has the war room, Pete, to give folks exactly like you the opportunity to reach people in the district for votes to reach people outside the districts for financial support and the, well, the way i see it pete is you're in a situation where the democrats and the corporate media want to coronate zoe lofgren in a in a ironically in a district that's supposed to be represented by Latinos, and um, they're basically trying to ignore you into submission. Um, so, Pete, just one more time, uh, give uh, the viewers here and the posse uh, the chance to uh, send you some money uh, and maybe donate uh, some time if they're in the in the district, and um, and then we'll let you go on your way. And um, uh, I just so much admire what you're doing, sir. 
I appreciate it, sir. Yeah, just one final comment. Uh, so TernandezforCongress.com is the website. I just want to reiterate, this is a bootstrap campaign. We built it from the ground up. I'm a small business owner. I know what it's like to have a vision and implement that vision. And I, I'm very passionate, as you can tell. So as, of I, as I've engaged the district, you know, if people can't donate, they're volunteering. If they can't volunteer, they're donating. So there is definitely this grassroots movement. If you want to take that very power structure that you don't like, the centralization of government, then it takes a candidate like me to take that power and hand it right back down to the people. And I'm ready to do that. So HernandezForCongress.com, uh, at Peter Hernandez on Facebook. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, Peter Hernandez for Congress on Facebook, at, at Hernandez for Congress on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. All right, sir. We uh, we wish you the best of luck. I'm I'm sure we'll, we'll try to get you back on the war room at least once uh, before the election. In the meantime, I want to say while you're here on the air, Kevin McCarthy, man up, talk to this man, give him some money, let him fight the good fight. This is a district that can be won if the appropriate resources are deployed. Uh, Zoe Lofgren, woman up, debate this man. Uh, the people in his district have a right to hear from you about what you're actually going to do for the district as opposed to your national uh, progressive woke uh, agenda that has little to do with the good, hardworking people um, of the state of California and everything to do uh, with your own ideology. So, Pete, um, we will see you again in the war room. You take care of yourself. Um, hit the phones for money. Hit the boots for uh knocking on doors. You know how this works. And uh, we wish you the best, sir. Will do. Thank you, Peter. God bless you. All right, my God brother. You take care of yourself, man. You're a patriot. Appreciate it. So, um, look, and that's America right there. That's a hardworking man who came in um, and uh, it, family came in the kind of immigrants that we love. Uh, and he's running up against the Republican establishment that won't help him out for all the wrong reasons and the Democrat establishment that really wants to lord and rule over uh, that district. It, it's just wrong. So it's great to have Pete. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to shift gears fairly dramatically and talk with Dr. Robert Malone about the, uh, the crisis we have in uh, COVID-19. Peter K. Navarro, in for Stephen K. Bannon, and we'll talk a little bit about why I'm here today and not Steve. I'll be right back. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, 
and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Samerica, that's the incendiary new book from former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro, available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass-knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon. Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. I'm not happy at all to be standing in front of this camera today. Not because I don't love you, because I do. Not because I don't love Lindell TV, because I do. It's because we have yet another situation where the government of this country has targeted Stephen K. Bannon. And because of what he has to do today, because of that targeting, I'm in for Steve. And look, let's make no mistake about it. The forces of evil, and that's what they are, within the Democrat Party, within the rhino part of the Republican Party that hates Trump, they're doing everything possible to destroy not only Donald John Trump and prevent him from being president in 2025. People like me, who they put in leg irons, people like Steve Bannon, who they put in leg irons, 
have been collateral damage. And this is nothing new, folks. Nothing new. I was only one of three senior White House officials who served with President Trump all the way from the campaign in 2016 to the end of what we love to call his first term. I saw a weaponized FBI propagate a Russia hoax with the Democrats and try a preemptive coup before Trump even won. That failed. I saw the FBI take out Mike Flynn, put Papadopoulos in jail, put Manafort in jail, use frogmen to raid Roger Stone and have a successful preemptive coup. No, this was an actual coup against Donald Trump when we learn that the FBI pressured social media and Facebook and Twitter from revealing the true information about the Biden crime family on Hunter Biden's laptop. And now, now they want to do a preemptive coup of Donald Trump with their panty raid on Mar-a-Lago and the bogus criminal case. And this cannot stop. But they also want Stephen K. Bannon. Stephen K. Bannon has built the single most influential and popular political podcast and show in the world in war room. Signal here is, yeah, I get mad about what they're doing to Steve and Mike Lindell. Yeah, I get mad and frustrated. But we need to focus like a laser beam on the November elections and get Nancy Pelosi and her merry band of weaponized unconstitutionalists the hell out of there. Out. Out. And then once they're out, come January, we need to find out just who and why the government of this country has become weaponized against the people of this country who only simply want MAGA principles, make America great again, populist economic nationalism, end to endless wars, secure borders, yes, and bringing our manufacturing and supply chains home like Mike Lindell has already done in his enterprises. The Taking Back Trump's America book, my friends, if you haven't heard about it, please order it right now on Amazon. Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon. Why? Because it's a blueprint and battle plan for taking back not just the Trump White House in 2024, but also the House of Representatives from Pelosi in November of 2022. What I'm going to do now is move right to one of the great patriots of this country who has basically been the tip of the spear and common sense and science on a wide range of debates over how to handle COVID-19 and the pandemic. I want to bring in Dr. Robert Malone. I want to start with Dr. Malone by having him reflect on the recent op-ed that uh, Dr. Stephen Hatfield and I did um, on this absurd charge about me as a White House official pressuring Stephen Hahn and the FDA to do what the science told him he should have done, which was to allow the prescription of hydroxychloroquine in early treatment outpatient use. And in that op-ed article, and thank you, Kelly Sadler at the Washington Times, you are a patriot, ma'am, as well. 
in that article, we, we show how the most recent science on hydroxychloroquine says that it's not only safe, but it could have saved anywhere from 570,000 to 810,000 Americans of the million who died if simply the FDA had allowed early treatment use on an outpatient basis like Trump and I advocated at the time. And, and, and Doc Malone will tell you how it was not just Han, it was Janet Woodcock, his successor, and a shadowy character named Rick Bright. So without further ado, Doc Malone, the microphone um, and camera is now yours, sir. What say ye? Yeah, Peter, I want to congratulate you in particular for your leadership all the way through this and your willingness to stick your neck out and speak truth. Um, the Greeks had a word for this. They call it truth speech. And you have truly been a prophet and a speaker of truth speech all the way through this. And you'll recall in our early op-eds, we said that the government should be focusing their efforts on the high-risk people because most people weren't at great risk, that if they kept with these crazy policies, they would be driving the development of viral escape mutants, viruses that would escape the vaccines. We spoke about uh, the usefulness of having home test kits so that people could monitor their own status and make their own decisions. And uh, you have been right about things all the way through, and I can speak from the first person. Having been there at the front lines, dealing with uh, Northwell and uh, the early days of uh, Governor Cuomo and how he responded to hydroxychloroquine. Uh, it, I, and, and also, uh, this study that you're talking about, this estimate of excess mortality, because that's what it is, avoidable death. Um, those numbers that you've come up with somehow are precisely the numbers that I am aware of, of another very large comprehensive independent study that was done by a leading, uh, let's say, children's health advocacy organization, independently, same numbers. Okay, so I think that that's probably a reasonable estimate that we have lost a half a million to something like three quarters of a million excess deaths in our elders, in the people that had significant disease, the people that were parked into these uh, um, elder homes, the people that were jammed through these hospitals and not allowed to visit anybody. Um, this huge human tragedy could have been avoided. And I can also speak for my colleagues in the International Alliance of Physicians and Medical Scientists, 17,000 docs from all over the world. All, just about all of them have found that hydroxy was useful in managing this disease. So are a number of other drugs. It turns out that there are many things that work. Uh, and, and I've actually met with the people back in Marseille that uh, originated the azithromycin hydroxychloroquine protocol. And of course, they got railroaded also in France. Uh, but uh, in the case of hydroxy, in particular, when we were having the Delta surge, the observation by many frontline docs was that hydroxy was working better than ivermectin. 
for uh, Delta. Uh, and it's still widely used. It's cheap. You would stockpile that you personally, Peter Navarro, I recall when I was working for Alchem Pharmaceuticals in Florida, and we got a call from you in your office seeking vendors that could provide hydroxychloroquine. This is very early in the outbreak. I can yeah. attest in the first person of your diligence in trying to solve the supply chain problems and protect the health of humans in, the, in North America. You were out, talk about at the tip of the spear. You were doing everything you could. I remember thinking, what the heck is an economist calling us about <laughs> drug supply? But you were on I, I had a you secret were just weapon, Doc. I had a secret weapon. I, I had uh, Doc Hatfield uh, uh, working, working with me. So we got it. And I'll let you keep talking. But let me just point out, I had a million tabs, Doc. I had a million tabs of these things. Oh. And I actually got them distributed to to hospitals and 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 pharmacies and and they were ready to get deployed and then the FDA came in with what was a death blow um, ruling on that and it just stopped it in its tracks. But continue, sir. Yes, yeah, so let, let's get into that story because there's another key name here that we need to acknowledge posthumously, and that's Zev Zelenko. And I remember because we were focused in my team that was working in close contact with DITRA, Defense Threat Reduction Agency, uh, under a variety of different contract vehicles. And we still are advancing famotidine, celecoxib, and we tried to advance famotidine, celecoxib, and ivermectin, but the FDA blocked us. And this is the DOD, okay? But I remember in those early days that this uh, guy on Long Island that I'd never heard of before, this, this physician, Zeb Zelenko, was talking about the uh, French protocol of azithromycin and uh, hydroxy and also zinc. And he was getting these amazing results. And he, before he passed away, unfortunately, just a couple of months ago, uh, he had compiled a fascinating video that you can find in which he documents what happened and the collusion between Janet Woodcock and Rick Bright in blocking the availability of hydroxychloroquine for outpatient use. And I remember when that happened, we were trying to advance the clinical trials for, for uh, famotidine at Northwell. And we were having to design the trials so that we would include a hydroxychloroquine arm. Uh, and then uh, the governor of New York made these arbitrary unilateral decisions that it could only be used on inpatients, only used yeah. in the hospital. Yes. This was all coming from Woodcock and Rick Bright. Rick Bright at the time was the director of BARDA. Okay. And... Uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I was right there at the front lines of all this. And uh, I got this call from Michael Callahan, the infamous CIA officer that I've spoken about in the past, that called me from Wuhan and who reported to Bob Cadlick. And he said, Robert, I, I've got a, we've got a problem. Rick Bright is a problem. He's an obstacle to everything. All he wants is the vaccines. What do you think we ought to do about him? 
And I said, why don't you promote him to be in charge of diagnostics? Uh, <laughs> and then you could move him out of bar, get rid of the obstacle. And in fact, that's what they did. That's why Rick was moved over to the diagnostic space, which he had prior experience in. But he refused to serve, as you'll yeah. recall. Yeah. And he called up the LA Times and kicked up a big fuss. And then there was the whole uh, scandal and uh, the cascade of things. And we learned about the doctored hydroxychloroquine trial that was designed to fail and was actually not even built off of real data and the scandal in the Lancet, and it just went on and on and on. But it's an amazing story. And you, my friend, were right at the forefront doing the right thing. One that wrote the letter to President Trump advocating for hydroxy in the first place. It's an amazing yeah. story. Yeah, and, and the, the thing that the other detail and details are important about this story the, the trajectory went like this doc it's like president trump um it gives a speech and in the speech he promises that the fda will allow widespread access of the american public to uh of, of hydroxychloroquine right and then, um, as as all hell is breaking loose in the hydroxy hysteria CNN media, um, Alex uh, Azar, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and his deputy Bob Cadlick, command command the FDA to write the emergency use authorization specifying for general early treatment for patient use. Okay. Yep. And yep. and Han. <clears throat> as the commissioner allows Janet Woodcock, who would eventually take his spot, and Rick Bright to not only Who's counterman it? that order Wood directly, they did it. They it did down. it exactly they did exactly the wrong thing, Doc. The, the whole thing that Hatfield and I talked it, about in the Washington it, Times it, is that you give it in the first seven days, it works. You wait, it doesn't. And so they that it's yeah, blood so on their hands. Sir, back let's to you. Explicit. Rick Bright and Janet Woodcock intentionally circumvented the direction of the president of the United States. Yes. Whatever you think about Donald Trump, whatever you think about hydroxychloroquine, if you want a case study in the administrative state uh, controlling the executive branch and not the other way around, the administrative state that's so arrogant that they believe that they can go against the directions of a sitting president of the United States. This is a great case study. It's absolutely, as you say, the president clearly explicitly directed that this be made available. The, the experience of physicians all over the world, not the least of which are the Africans that chronically take this stuff and have almost no COVID, um, is that this is an effective medicine and there was incredible amount of manipulation of data and studies in order to shut this down and to circumvent the will of the president. No matter where you are on the spectrum, what you think about this, that is absolutely wrong. And Janet Woodcock is tight as a tick with the pharmaceutical industry, as well as with UCSF, which is basically a pharma shop. And Rick Bright bailed out after his whistleblower. And guess where he went to work? Do you know, Peter? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm standing up. I wish I were sitting down I, when you tell me. I, Pfizer? I've, I've known Rick for decades. I've watched his career. I know all about him. He's notorious for kiss up, kick down. And what he did, he got out of the government, is he took a nice, juicy job with the Rockefeller Institute. Okay, there we go. Globalism, globalism primed here. Uh, and it, I mean, look, it is blood on their hands. It, there's no question about it. Now, last thing on this, because we only got about a minute left when I get your social media in. It's like, contrast hydroxychloroquine. You take it for seven days, it's 12 bucks, right? Safe for virtually Proven everyone. Proven safe. Effective, right? You know, in Paxlovid. The Paxlovid, Doc. Paxlovid for more than $500 and you get like rebound cases. There's there's all sorts of side effects. I mean, it's like talk about <coughs> the same studies of influence. But, but the thing, and Peter, you know this, um, I did a ton of work uh, together with the nation's biodefense capital, USAMRID, on drug discovery for Zika. I did a bunch of this with Michael Callahan, published it. And one of our leading agents for Zika was, guess what? Hydroxychloroquine. Why? <laughs> because you could administer it during pregnancy. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Doc, um, I, I wish we had like another half hour here, but uh, why don't we do this? Um, give everybody your social social media and how to, how to get you, and then I'm going to have to say uh, adieu to you as we close out this show, sir. Peter saying. Um, so uh, <laughs> please uh, consider following our Substack, rwmalonemd.substack.com. And although I am on Gab and Truth Social, bless their hearts, uh, Getter is our preferred platform, and we put all the latest breaking news re reposts and everything else. And uh, Twitter, uh, sayonara Twitter, between Gab <laughs> and Getter, I now have far more people following. Between yeah. Gab, Getter, and Substack, we're at three quarters of a million people. You're the man, so Doc. I don't need Twitter. All right, my brother, we are out. Uh, Getter is the Twitter killer. Um, keep doing what you're doing, Doc. Uh, I'm sure um, we'll see you back soon here in this space. Uh, I am Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. You are in Stephen K. Bannon's war room. I'm sure he'll be back with you tomorrow. You take care. Taking back Trump's America. Buy it today on Amazon. Thank you.